listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Happy Side of Neutral. I'm excited to have you back on this journey with me trying to discover how to find balance and live a happy life. Today we will be chatting about balance with Alex Lawrence. Alex has worked in both the public and nonprofit sector in roles aimed at making systems and services work better for the people they are meant to serve. She recently joined Boston Mayor Michelle Wu's cabinet as the interim chief information officer and now serves as the deputy chief administration officer. Before being tapped by the mayor, she was the director of growth and operations at Bloomworks, a woman-owned digital services firm which helps government and other agencies create human-centered technology solutions. And before that, I got to work alongside Alex as she held increasingly senior roles in the Department of Innovation and Technology at the City of Boston. I've witnessed firsthand her passion and skill for improving systems, expanding organizational capacity, and her deep desire to make government work better for the people. Alex, I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm really excited to be here, Marcy, and so proud that this is a project you've started to do. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I can't believe it's been like maybe nine or 10 years since we were rookies together at the city. It was an incredible experience. It really was. And to think where our lives were a decade mm-hmm. ago, we weren't married, we didn't have kids. We've really grown professionally together along this decade. And it's been a wonderful friendship and partnership to bounce ideas off of the whole time. You know, I was hesitant to ask you to do this podcast because your life is a bit crazy right now. This is true. <laughs> but when I talked to you last, you sounded so energized and excited about the work you're doing And to be honest, I had expected you to be overwhelmed and exhausted. It left me deeply curious about why that is. I know there have been other times when you've held similarly challenging roles when you weren't happy. And I'm hoping we will uncover some of what makes some jobs life-giving and others so draining in our conversation today. So before we get into that part, I just want to have a few questions just to have others get to know you as well as I do. So if you could just share something that you do purely for the joy of it, and how do you hold space for that when life gets crazy? So I'm going to give you a totally honest and a little bit embarrassing answer, which is that I am a complete and utter reality TV junkie. And it is the thing that I do to unplug and that I do just for myself. And I was trying to think about like, why is this a thing that I love so much that just sort of helps me unwind and relax. And I think that if you sort of look at a thread of what my life has been, my career, my friendships, I love social dynamics and I love Mm. social competitions and people leveraging what makes people tick to sort of engage in dynamics in the world. And I think reality TV gives me a space where it's completely inconsequential to the rest of my life to sort of (laughs) engage in that part of my brain, but do so in a way that is just, yeah, removed from any consequence or stress. And so I was sort of rationalizing why is it that I just love to dig into these fantasy reality TV lands as my sort of escape? And it has been a consistent thing that I do for just myself. I love that because it's so different than what I've heard. What's your favorite thing right now? What are you watching at the moment? Selling Sunset. Do you know what this is? You probably don't. No, I don't. Think of it as like a totally hyper glamorized real estate world where the agents Mm. are Botoxed plastic human (laughs) beings, and the drama is like a little bit contrived, and you're not totally sure what's real. But it's like Mm. this flashy LA world that is obviously so different from the one that we live. And I just like letting the sort of like absurd aesthetic of it all wash over me and (laughs) think about these relationships between people that I will never meet or have anything to do with. That's that's awesome. I love it. 
So tell me a little bit more, tell our audience a little bit more about who you are. What drives you to do the work you're doing and what do you care about? Yeah, I think the sort of thread, we are reliant on institutions and organizations to deliver services to people that they are dependent on. So is that government, nonprofits, these are the organizations with broadly regulate access to resources, who gets access to resources and how they access those resources. Mm. You know, I started my career focused on the actual service delivery side, but I think that where I found my sweet spot is how do you make those institutions and organizations themselves function better? And how do you make those organizations and institutions adapt and modernize in the context of the ever-changing world? Mm. Unless the internal organizations, the HR systems, the technology, the processes function, the high level goals of what you're trying to achieve, the service delivery, is always going to be stalled out by those internal processes. And I just love diving into them, making them work better, and figuring out how they move from organizations which have been around for a long time and catch up to the rest of the world. Yeah, that is an incredibly important component. I witnessed the need for this when I was working at the city with you. So I'm thrilled that your brain works that way and cares about this problem. As you know, this podcast, I've been really diving into the concept of balance, and I've been finding it really fascinating to hear each person's definition of balance because they're all unique. So I'd love to hear your own definition of balance. And is it something that you think is possible to achieve? Yeah. I mean, I love the question and I feel like admittedly, it's not something I spend enough time thinking about. And as you alluded to the beginning, I can comment on times where I have felt that the balance was out of whack and times where it felt good. Mm -hmm. To me, balance is fundamentally about doing the thing that I care about deeply, which is supporting others, but also finding enough time to do the things that bring Mm. myself joy and energy. Even if those things are active and other people might find them stressful, it is like striking that right balance for myself between things that I'm doing for me and doing for others. I like that definition. (laughs) I've learned that my version of balance might look a little bit off kilter to other people, Mm. but that is just because I am a person who is high energy. And for me, feeling balanced includes being really busy. Mm. That is where I feel that I am utilizing my skills and giving to the world in a way that brings me joy. Mm. Give an example of something that somebody else might think is not a moment of balance, but you're finding joy in that. Yeah, I mean, I think it is like having a job that I'm constantly thinking about and like talking to people about. And I think digging into really deep, dark, hairy problems that other people think of as burdensome, but I think of as opportunities to make things better. Mm -hmm. My version of balance, right, includes waking up, immediately taking care of two crazy kids, running out the door, being a little bit late (laughs) to work, having back-to-back meetings all day on interesting problems, maybe picking up my kids, maybe have someone else do that, like a totally scattered dinner, and it's 8.30 p.m. before I've had a moment to breathe Mm -hmm. and do anything moderately about myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Does that sound like balance to you? Maybe not. But I have found that as long as I am enjoying all of those activities and they feel like they're making progress, then that feels like the right level of balance to me. It's really interesting to hear this very different version of balance, because I think as long as you know yourself and you know what brings you happiness, then it's fine if it looks different than someone else's. It's fascinating. I think so, too. And one of the things that I've realized is that social activity is incredibly important to me. And I think especially throughout the course of the pandemic where social activity was more challenging for obvious reasons, 
And during parenthood, where social activity was also more challenging, I have found that when I skip those things, Mm -hmm. I feel de-energized and unhappy because Mm -hmm. social connection is so important to me. And so while other people for balance might mean pulling back from those activities because they have to focus on other things, I've learned that when I do that, I become less happy and feel less balanced, even though it's counterintuitive because I am doing more things. And that means for me, getting babysitters or relying on family to take my kids at night so I can go out and meet friends or like meeting coworkers for a drink after work to decompress after the day. And like that means having a very busy schedule, but that feels better for me than making the trade-off to not do those things. So let's dive into one of these moments where you felt out of balance. What was this period like? Can you describe that for us? Yeah, I think it was when I felt really unsupported at work, but couldn't realize, didn't took me a long time to realize, even though in retrospect, it was so obvious that all of these other reasons I felt depressed or exhausted were fundamentally being driven by the fact that I felt Mm. unsupported in my job. So I'm somebody who loves having a difficult job and a challenging job, but the organizational support around me is what makes hard jobs, I think, possible. If you have a manager, if you have a boss, if you have a mayor who is supporting the thing that you're trying to do, then hard things can feel easy. And if you feel like you're alone in that fight, it can feel a lot more challenging. That's really interesting. And so then to tell a little bit of a story, which was when I felt the most burnt out was when I was unhappy at work for various reasons, but also pregnant with my second child and just sort of found myself unable to get out of bed in the morning and thought that I had what was called perinatal depression, which is a fairly common thing, especially with like a second child where Mm -hmm. you're pregnant and your body hurts and it's exhausting, but you also have, you know, another human to take care of. And so I went to see a therapist And one thing I've always done, which I I recommend everyone do, which is like put a Mm -hmm. premium on your own mental health. The same thing they say in an airplane, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help others. So like noting those moments where you're like, okay, my mental health is Mm -hmm. out of balance. I am not me. There's no point in sacrificing yourself. You can't be the thing you want to be for others if you don't Mm -hmm. want to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) And that's how I was feeling at the time. And I think at a certain point in seeing this therapist, she was like, you're talking about all these other things that might be reasons why you feel this thing, like chemical imbalance or whatnot. But have you thought about the fact that maybe this job is just not what you need right now? Mm. It flipped a switch in my brain. And that's when I decided it was time for me to leave because it wasn't giving me the energy that I needed. And so I've been referring to my time in the private sector a little bit as my sabbatical, (laughs) but was able to work from home and focus on myself, remove myself from some dynamics that were really just not working for me and regain that balance. But then in that time, realizing that I still needed a super stimulating job, I needed that time to to refocus on myself and figure out what those qualities were in a job that was going to help me feel supported. But I think during those 11 months, I spent a lot of time thinking about, does that mean having a crazy and demanding job? And I think I landed at the end. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can still do that. It's just the circumstances have to be right. My mental health has to be in the right place. And I have to have created enough checks Mm -hmm. in my life to make it possible. That's, That's really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about those checks in your life. What kind of things have you put in place to make a crazy job work? <laughs> yeah, so I think one of them, as I, as I talked about, is like being able to focus on ensuring that I have some form of social connection and just 
figuring out ways to prioritize myself in that context. So for example, doing this podcast, because it seems like a really fun and interesting thing to do. It would be super easy for me to say I'm too busy, but I have an internal reminder to myself of, is this a thing that you really want to do? Will it bring you joy? Will it bring you reflection? Will it help you become a more whole human being? I can sacrifice an hour for that. Mm -hmm. Is this thing going to help me be the person I want to be so that I can continue to do these other things? And if it passes that test, can I make time? Mm -hmm. So a friend recently asked me, she was going through a relatively tough time and she also has young kids and things have been crazy. And she said, could we just take a day and go to a spa, just the two of us? And my first gut was, no, I can't do that. I'm in the middle of transitioning between two crazy jobs. This would be the worst time to take a day for myself. And then I turned around and thought about those skills that I had built over this year about refocusing again on things that mattered to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can take one day to go to the spa with my friend because it's going to rejuvenate me. I haven't had a chance to connect with her in a long time. The two of us went to Plymouth and spent a day at a spa, got massages, talked, laughed, watch Selling Sunset together (laughs) um, to go back to the beginning. And we both just left feeling like new humans. And like, of course, I could take one day to do that. You know, every everyone I've talked to, they have stories about how the pandemic really upended their ability to find a sense of balance. I'm curious for you how the pandemic changed things. Yeah, I think one of the things that's challenging for me is that the pandemic and having two children happened at the same time. And I think also just the amount of work responsibility stepped up so significantly. So I find it a little challenging to sort of decouple all of those factors other than that six months into the pandemic, I felt depressed and had to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I do think that having a time where social activity was really difficult just made me realize how important those kinds of interactions are in terms of giving me energy. Mm -hmm. I think being a working parent in the pandemic, I just feel like it is such a challenge and has sometimes felt pretty isolating of like, does no one understand what is happening to us? I just have to say, I went to a talk the other day and we did this silly technology word cloud where they asked everybody how they were feeling in this moment about the pandemic. And everybody used words like optimistic and relieved. And I was like, oh my goodness, none of you must be parents of young children. (laughs) I wanted to put in words like exhausted, Mm -hmm. relentlessly overwhelmed. (laughs) I have so many friends who have spent several weeks home with their kids trying to work. It's like going back to early stages of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. The idea that people feel optimistic and energized, good for them, but I'm not totally sure where they're getting that from. Yeah. I think it's an interesting moment where people that have kids under five, we have a different perspective right now because our kids can't be vaccinated. So it just changes the dynamics of how we're experiencing this tail end, hopefully tail end of the pandemic. So I'm curious from these challenging experiences, is there anything you've learned about yourself through them? I definitely think that I've learned that I am more resilient than I think. Mm. I've known I can do hard things, but I think the amount of those hard things I could do at once and having faith in myself to just be able to make decisions, get things done, move forward. 
But I think I also have learned, you know, I'm, I'm talking a big game of putting myself first and mm. that is a work in progress. I realized relatively recently that I had some fairly major foot issues that I had been ignoring for like a really long time. I might have to have surgery in one of my feet. And the doctor came and was like, you should have probably been in enough pain for this two Mm. years ago to come in and see me. Why did it take you so long? And I think those are some of the things that I Mm -hmm. realized I really need to work on. It's like I talk a big game about doing these small things for myself and I'm getting better at that but I'm probably ignoring some fairly big Mm -hmm. things that my body is telling me. I think specifically, I know that exercise is something that makes me just feel better and is better for my mental health. And currently right now, I haven't really figured out a place in my Mm -hmm. life that that sort of fits in regularly. I've experimented with waking up extra early to get exercise in, and that is just (laughs) something some people can do, and it it is not working for me. Like, that snooze button Mm -hmm. is too tempting when I'm this tired, and, like, waking up before my kids just feels unrealistic, so... Yeah, and the sleep versus exercise, (laughs) that is a tough (laughs) trade-off. And ultimately, if your goal is to get more energy... There's a million reasons to exercise, but fundamentally for me, I do it just Mm -hmm. to get energy and to feel better. Yeah. And the balance between when sleep will provide me that and when exercise will provide me with that. Yes. My internal gut always wants to choose sleep. I am the same way. Great. Well, I'd love to hear more about moments in your journey that you felt more in balance and what strategies or routines helped you get to that place. Ironically, the times that I have figured out how to work in exercise have probably been the times I felt the most balance. There was a time where there was a spin studio for my birthday. My mom bought me a year membership so I could go to those classes anytime that I wanted. And it was right next door and I didn't have kids yet. Mm. So that was one of the only times that I've been exercising extremely regularly. And the amount of energy and positivity that brought me is something I haven't quite Mm. figured out how to replicate. But that was a really good balance. But then, as I've said, you know, I know for myself that focusing only on my own health and wellness Mm. doesn't Mm -hmm. make me feel balanced. So, you know, for that year that I was working from home, I was eating Mm -hmm. incredibly well and I was exercising consistently. But, you know, my work just didn't feel exciting and challenging enough for me. And I found myself constantly checking Mm -hmm. in with folks at City Hall being like, what's the scuttlebutt? Like, what's going on over there? (laughs) All those things that definitionally taught me that I was supposed to think about balance, which is like spending more time with my kids and exercising and eating well, like those things were nice, Mm -hmm. but they didn't actually make me feel balanced. I still know that having a really exciting job makes me feel more balanced. And it's more of how do I work along the margins of that? to figure out how I get enough things for myself that keep me going to be able to care for others, see people, and, you know, be reasonably good at that job. You're making me think about, I mean, the whole time that I've been asking this question, I've been wondering to myself, is balance the right thing to be striving for? And you're making me think about, oh, different word here. You think, making me think about fulfilled. Yes. So you had a calmer lifestyle. And we're able to prioritize different things, but you didn't feel fulfilled in the work you were doing. Yeah, I love that distinction because I think balance has a little bit of a sort of woo-saw, I am zen. Mm -hmm. I think fulfillment is fundamentally what I would care about more than inherently balance. Mm -hmm. So recently, you have had this really exciting 
opportunity to step in in a big way working for Michelle Wu. And I'm really curious to hear how that's going and how are you doing in this sense of balance or fulfillment and what's different this time than the last time you were at the city? I think, you know, as I've said, fundamentally, I care about how do you turn a big ship? How do you make an organization function? And I've really approached that from a technology angle over the last seven or eight years, which was sort of a happy accident in my career. I'm not a technologist by training. I have a public policy background and a social services background. You know, I really am somebody who's focused on people and society. And the technology was always something that sat on top of this people and process and policies. Technology is an important tool, but I think fundamentally, I'm just really interested in how do you get people in the right jobs to be able to move the work forward? How do you define their work? And how do you create an organization that is supportive enough of those people that they are able to do that work? When I talked to the mayor about coming back, I told her that this is the area I wanted to focus on. And I think she's somebody who deeply understands people and what motivates them and how tough it can be to be in government a long time what it's like to be a parent. Having a crazy job is something she deeply understands and empathizes with. I think she understands all of those things and understands how burnt out our workforce feels right now. You know, we've talked about the great resignation, the great reshuffling. You and I were both had our own course in that context. So the idea of being directly responsible for figuring out how this organization that, that I think is the most impactful organization in terms of the future of our city and having a key role in figuring out what it means to provide a workplace where people can come to work to every day and be happy feels to me like the most important challenge and that I have the role that is the most directly responsible for figuring that challenge out. And that's scary and intimidating and I have plenty <laughs> of imposter syndrome about it, but it also feels like the challenge that I want to solve. And that is really energizing. Yeah, it sounds like I'm hearing you say you have a really clear mission. You know what you're driving towards. You feel like you have the skill set, although sometimes you question yourself, and you're supported in doing that. Do you think that describes like the three things that are helping you feel good about this role in this moment? A hundred percent. I think you said it exactly right. And that doesn't mean that the work isn't incredibly hard and that like I'm not every single day facing an incredibly challenging decision mm. between complex trade-offs or that there's too much on my plate. You know, all those things can be true. But I think, as you said, the mission is clear. I'm supported by the organization and I feel like my role in it is aligned to my skills. Mm. Those are incredibly core ingredients to feeling fulfilled in your job. And I feel like I have those things. And just to give people a sense of, I think just as an exemplar to what we were talking about, it like your life isn't calm right now. Can you just walk us through what a day is like for you right now? Yeah, I wake up to a two-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old shouting that they want chicken nuggets for breakfast. <laughs> uh, so that is that is what happens at six thirty a.m. when I open my eyes. They wake up like clockwork, 6.30 there yeah. in my bedroom, banging down my door. Mm -hmm. Managing to get them out of the house, I think, is my first challenge. Somehow, even though I do it every day, it feels like a different adventure every single day because mm -hmm. kids will do that. They'll throw a new thing at you every morning. Mm -hmm. First, I drop them at school. Then I figure out how I'm going to get to work right now. That includes taking a ferry, which is actually pretty cool, but that's only going to happen for the next couple of weeks. Get into the office, back-to-back -back meetings, decisions, trying to catch up on the emails and slacks and texts and calls mm -hmm. while making decisions and driving forward. 
hopefully somehow getting like a couple of minutes to focus and be strategic and block time that I can figure out how to actually make a plan that I can execute as opposed to just responding to the things that are coming into my face. Mm -hmm. I thankfully have figured out a way to have a sitter pick up my kids. Their pickup is a lot earlier than I get out of work. And so it's just was too challenging to do that on my own. And then at around 5.45 or 6, I'm home with them figure out a way to have them eat something that is closely resembles a vegetable, (laughs) not always successfully. And then to the best of my ability, and certainly with some very, very helpful reminders for my husband, try to keep that time from between six to eight, where we're putting the kids to bed, to put my phone away, to put work away, and just focus on having that small bit of focused family time together Maybe someone gets a bath if we're lucky, Mm -hmm. get them down to bed. And then at eight o'clock becomes the time where my husband and I can like potentially talk to each other. (laughs) We have a pretty long, aggressive to-do list of just like life things that we don't otherwise have time to deal with. Sometimes that means watching TV. And then sometimes that means doing a little bit more work. We try to keep that to a minimum, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it just has to be. And then wake up the next morning and do it again. (laughs) I wanted you to spell that out because it really is interesting that that would feel very crazy and not balanced to a lot of people, but you are describing that you feel happy and fulfilled right now. (laughs) So I just think it's really interesting that we are all different humans. And as long as we can figure out what it is that brings us happiness and put things in place to make that work, then it's good. I completely agree. And I think that question of does that make you feel fulfilled is really mm-hmm. is really where mm-hmm. it's at. Well, I have so enjoyed this conversation. I like to end just asking people what they would recommend to our listeners of things that have influenced you or that have been thought-provoking and pushed you in your own journey trying to figure out how to be happy. Yeah. So one is going to make me sound pretty lame and work-obsessed, but I feel like if you haven't gathered that from the rest of this podcast, (laughs) which is a book by Ron Heifetz called Adaptive Leadership. Mm. And the fundamental framing of the book, if I were to summarize it, is about what is a technical leadership challenge versus an adaptive leadership challenge. A technical leadership challenge is one that you can solve with systems and processes. An adaptive is about changing the hearts and mind of people. And the most common flaw in how you treat things is misdiagnosing an adaptive challenge as a technical one. Hmm. And I actually find that useful, not just in my professional, but also my personal life. Sometimes you might have someone bring you a situation and your gut is to problem solve with them and give them an answer, which would be a sort of technical approach. Mm -hmm. But really, it's an adaptive challenge where they want to feel listened to, they want to feel heard, they want to feel supported. And so figuring out how you be an adaptive leader and not just a technical leader and how you correctly diagnose technical versus adaptive solutions, I think is just a framing that has honestly helped me think through everything that I do. So highly recommend that book has been hugely helpful for me. Great. Well, I just can't thank you enough for taking a small moment of your day, your crazy, crazy day and chatting with me about this. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Honestly, I think it is exactly the thing that I try to remind myself to do, which is focus on moments of reflection. Great. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Alex really pushed me to think about the connection or lack thereof between balance and happiness and how unique the equation of finding balance is to each individual. For one, Alex teaches us that busy can be balance. 
The things that bring her the most joy involve social dynamics in her work world, personal life, and on the screen. She describes keeping a schedule that most people would find quite grueling, but for her, it's energizing, even life-giving. A schedule as busy as hers has required her to come up with a sort of litmus test to check if something is a value add. If it passes the test, she finds the time to make it happen. Lucky for us, this recording session passed. Her value add litmus test includes questions like, is this something you really want to do? Will it bring you joy or reflection? Will it help you become the person you want to be? If she answers yes to all these questions, she finds a way to make it happen. Finally, she's found that fulfillment, more so than balance, led to a feeling of happiness and contentment for her. Alex is someone who is energized by solving tough challenges that she cares deeply about, but this doesn't mean that it's easy. Alex has held many hard jobs, and in her assessment of what made some life-giving and others draining, she described three key ingredients to feeling fulfilled in her work. Having a clear mission that she cares about, feeling supported by the organization, and having a role that is aligned with her skill set. With these in place and prioritizing space for things that bring her joy, she's confident she can walk the line between high-intensity, fulfilling work and finding happiness. I hope this week you get a chance to give yourself permission to do things that bring you joy, even if they don't make sense to anyone else. To identify some questions for your own value-add litmus test and to reflect on if your work has the key ingredients to be fulfilling, and most importantly, if that matters to you. <laughs>